Hello, my name is Nicole Hendley, and I am the worship minister at Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. I am joined today by our senior minister, Reverend Ashley Darguy. Hey, Ashley. Hey, everybody. Okay, so we are here to bring you our September 2021 Music Monday podcast. We've been in a worship series called Homecoming, Stories of Return, and every week in worship, we've shared a secular song that ties into the scripture for that morning. Ashley, will you tell us a little bit more about what this worship series has been about? So our series has been focused on return, and in a lot of cases, that means the return home, a return to family, to a hometown, to a place of worship, or even to Jesus. And what's been surprising during this series is how much these stories about the familiar have pointed to another truth of scripture, that the outsider often understands things better than those on the inside. And we've seen in our stories that it's been the unexpected people, the Samaritan, the Gentile, the Moabite, the widow, the miracle worker, the desolate, the list goes on. It's been these people that really pick up what God is putting down. And I wasn't expecting to see this trend. And we've also seen how return is complex. Even when it's joyous, there's grief. Even when the return is welcomed, there can still be some hostility and wariness. And I think that's a poignant thing for us to consider as we make our returns with the ongoing pandemic and for our own church to its main building. Return is complicated and fraught, but it can also be beautiful and surprising. And in a way, we never return to what we left. Things will have always changed. We will be changed. And what we're looking for in this series is how our faith forebears have navigated this reality in light of who they are as a people of God. How will we make meaningful movements back? knowing that our only direction is forward. So buckle up, everybody. This is going to get real. This is going to get real. Okay, I'm so excited. Uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about the songs we've chosen um, for the remainder of our Homecoming Stories of Return series. So Ashley, get us kicked off with September 5th. So our text for the first Sunday of September is Ruth 1. Naomi leaves her people and moves to Moab with her family, only to lose her husband and sons. And she tells her daughters-in-law, look, your best bet is to go back to your families. I'm going to return to mine in Judah, so good luck and go with God. Orpah does so, and that was a completely valid choice. But Ruth says, nope, I'm going to go with you, Mama Naomi. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people, my people, your God, my God. And the chapter ends with them returning to Judah and Naomi changing her name to reflect the bitterness she feels. So our song for that day is Home by Philip Phillips. So Phillips was the season 11 winner of American Idol, and this song was his finale performance. And it's the most popular American Idol finale song to date, which is saying something because American Idol has been on for what seems like forever. The song was written by Drew Pearson and Greg Holden, career songwriters that American Idol often consults. And while the song feels so authentic to the guy who sings it, Phillips has gone on record multiple times that he doesn't really resonate with it. I mean, he eventually comes around to it for sure because he's sung it three trillion times, but it's not the kind of music he would make if it were up to him. 
You know, when I read about how mechanical the birth of this song was, I was actually pretty disappointed because there's something to this song. You know, it makes you feel good and cozy. I wanted to believe that it stemmed from Philip's deep convictions of home and was written in a time of turmoil and somehow the magic of music brought this guy back to his roots. But no, <laughs> it was essentially written in a lab by professionals who know what it takes to write a good song. A pop beat, a repeating verse, a banjo, a key change, an earnest singer who just wants to make it big. That's it. And when this song came out, my husband, JD, was working nights at this rehab center in Arkansas. And we only had one car, so I would drive out to the center early in the morning to pick him up, blaring the song as I wound around the twists and turns of backwoods Arkansas. And we were trying to decide what our next step was in our own lives. And I remember this line, if you get lost, you can always be found being really comforting to me because it was like, no matter what we decide, we're in it together and we'll find our way. And this is a huge part of the story of Ruth and Naomi. Their faithfulness to each other in the midst of their deepest grief is a reflection of the faithfulness of God, of the God who will always find us when we've lost our footing. And maybe, just like there are some essentials to writing a hit pop song, Perhaps there are some key essentials to creating a home. Someone you love, faithfulness to each other, a commitment to make something beautiful together. Thank you, Ashley. So let's move on to September 12th. This is 1 Samuel 1. Though we're mostly going to be talking about Hannah, the story begins, There once was a man who lived in Ramathium. This man, Elkanah, had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had two children while Hannah had none. And I want to note that we learn in the story that Elkanah loved his wife Hannah very much. And her not having children wasn't a problem for him. First Samuel 1 does say, though, that Elkanah's other wife, Penina, bullied Hannah for being childless, making a miserable situation even worse. Every year, Elkanah and his family went up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to God. One year while they were there, Hannah slipped away from the sacrificial meal and went to pray by herself. The priest Eli watched as she poured out her soul. The message translation puts her prayer like this. Oh God, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I'll give him completely, unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. Eli the priest saw Hannah praying silently and accused her of being drunk. Um, not cool, but we'll move on. Hannah said, oh no, sir, please. I'm a woman brokenhearted. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart, pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. He said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you've asked of him. Hannah conceived a son and named him Samuel, which means, I asked God for him. After Samuel was weaned, she took him to Shiloh and brought him to Eli, dedicating him to God for life. The song for this Sunday is called, Wherever is Your Heart by Brandy Carlisle. I wish I could get Hannah and Brandy Carlisle in the same room. 
What a dream. I feel like these two would be fast friends. I read 1 Samuel 1 and hear Hannah's anguish, and I compare it to the ache-ridden lyrics that are so central to Brandy's songwriting. These women have a lot in common. They both know the feeling of being on the outside. Hannah had experienced years of infertility and lived through the pain of wanting so badly to be a mother, unsure if it would ever come to be. Brandy, well, I'd encourage you to read her book, but as a queer person growing up in the hills of the Pacific Northwest and attending a conservative Baptist church for most of her young life, she is also no stranger to identifying with the bruised and rejected. If these two were around a fire, I imagine they would sit and talk about their idea of home. Family is so important to both of them. They might talk about who they are as mothers or what their day-to-day life is like. And go with me here. I wonder if we could ask them what home means to them. I have to imagine it's bigger than the place they rest their head. Home is where their people are. Their picture of home looks like the faces of the people they love the most. Like we've said, we're in this worship series called Homecoming, Stories of Return. Many of these stories have been about returning to a physical location or even an idea of home. This story is a little different. Hannah is returning to the temple. Not only that, but she's planning to entrust her son Samuel to Eli the priest, leaving him there and returning to her husband. So where is home to Hannah? Maybe to Hannah, home is wherever Samuel is. Home is wherever her beloved son rests his head. In the chorus of this song, Brandy sings, Wherever is your heart, I call home. Wherever is your heart, I call home. Though your feet may take you far from me, I know. Wherever is your heart, I call home. Even the song says that home is wherever this person's loved one is and that they might not always be together. Home might be far away because they're apart. This couldn't be more relevant for Hannah. When she prayed and promised to dedicate her son's life to the Lord, she knew what she was offering. This promise came with great sacrifice. But the earnestness in Hannah's prayer was deeply rooted. This earnestness returned her to Eli with her son Samuel. She returned to the promise she had made. She returned to her commitment. She kept covenant. And I'd like to imagine with peace in her heart, she held to the idea, though your feet may take you far from me, I know. Wherever is your heart, I call home. All right, and now we go into September 19th, Genesis 32. Jacob is returning to the land of Canaan, but he must pass near the region where his twin brother Esau lives in order to return home. 20 years had passed since Jacob cheated Esau out of the family blessing. You remember the story. Jacob pretended to be Esau, fooling their blind father, Isaac. When Esau found out, he was understandably angry. And his words were, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Just like straight out of like Lord of the Rings or something. So Rebecca, Jacob's mom, warns him about Esau's plan and tells him to go live with her brother Laban in Padan Aram. This is where he stays for 20 years. Now returning to his homeland, Jacob could not know if Esau had forgiven him. Jacob begins by sending messengers to Esau to let him know he's back in the land and that he hopes to find favor in his brother's sight. When Jacob's servant returns from Esau, he brings no message other than that Esau is coming with 400 men. 
Jacob is understandably worried that Esau is going to kill him. Jacob prays, and then he puts together this enormous gift to send to Esau, trying to communicate goodwill. Then he packs up his belongings and family and sends them across the river ahead of him. So Jacob is staying alone overnight. And then in one of the weirdest and most mysterious scenes in the Bible, Jacob wrestles an unknown figure in the dark until sunrise. After what I can only assume was a very confusing night for Jacob, we find that he was wrestling God. The match ends with a hip injury and a new name for Jacob, Israel. So our song this week is Fix You by Coldplay, which, come to find out, was not a huge fan favorite when it was released. People liked it, but it wasn't immediately the hit we know it to be today. Then Hurricane Katrina's devastation came just days after the song had been released, and Coldplay announced that they would drop a special Fix You EP, and 100% of the profits would go to the American Red Cross and to other relief funds to support hurricane victims. And here begins the musical phenomenon of Fix You. I read article after article about the song, and what struck me the most was going through the comment sections. Thousands upon thousands of people wrote about how this song carried them through their darkest days. The song has been an anthem for the brokenhearted since 2005, being sung everywhere from sold-out concerts to humanitarian efforts to funerals. And after reading about the beginnings of this song, it is no surprise why it has become associated with grief. Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, met Gwyneth Paltrow just three weeks after her father had died. They would later get married, but it matters to note that grief was a player in their story from early on. Grief was present and palpable from the very beginning of their relationship. Chris was so inspired by the journey of grief Gwyneth had walked after her dad's death, he actually sat down and wrote Fix You on a keyboard that Gwyneth's dad had left her right before he died. Now, songwriting is a business. There are plenty of artists who know how to pull on our heartstrings and manufacture a good emotional experience. And honestly, I don't hate it. It is what it is. But I really love knowing that Fix You is a song that can be trusted because it came from such a place of real, honest pain. Lyrically, this song offers so much, but I want to focus on the music. It begins with a single haunting organ accompanying Chris's voice. And slowly the song builds and builds into this incredible swell of drums and guitars and keyboards and multiple voices singing, tears stream down your face when you lose something you cannot replace. Tears stream down your face. I promise you, I will learn from my mistakes. When Jacob sends word to Esau that he's coming, the text is clear. He's nervous, timid, humbled. The story starts like the song, slow and somber. And then we are taken on a journey with Jacob that ends with this climactic wrestling until dawn, cymbals crashing, hearts racing, tears streaming, all to be taken back to a very simple ending. The organ comes back in, stripped down and familiar, and the song resolves, and God says to Jacob, I will give you a new name. And it's in this space, this moment, that we listen to these last words of the song, words that have been repeated over and over saying, Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones, and I will try to fix you. Jacob returns to Esau, emptied, humble, afraid, 
and limping, if this isn't the posture of grief. There has been so much lost between the two of them, so much that they can never get back. But Jacob is committed to doing what he can to try to fix this. And, spoiler alert, Esau welcomes him with open arms. Okay, this brings us to our very last Sunday of this homecoming series. It'll be the ninth week, and it's a special Sunday. At the time of recording, we are not yet back in our main building. We worshiped primarily online for the first part of the pandemic, and then in February 2021 in Texas, we had a giant winter storm that damaged a lot of buildings, including ours. A major pipe in our building's kitchen burst and flooded the building with the amount of water that goes into a swimming pool. And we have this little free pantry outside our kitchen, and a neighbor who was getting food from it one night during the storm saw water gushing out the door and called somebody. If they hadn't called, it could have been even worse. So I doubt you're listening, but if you are, thank you, Good Samaritan. So the damage has taken months to repair, and it's finally finished, thanks be to God. And in a few weeks, we will dedicate our building in its newly repaired iteration. This whole series, in a way, has been pointing to this dedication Sunday. Our own homecoming, our own return to the house of God, a la Azel Christian Church. And our text for the day is a song of its own, Psalm 84. It's a pretty familiar one that has the lines, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. The entire psalm is about the joy of worshiping God in the temple. And I think it's noteworthy for our purposes that Psalm 84 is a pilgrimage song. It's a song that was sung by the weary travelers who finally found themselves at the steps of the temple after a long and arduous journey. And the song we're focusing on for this text is our series song, Love Will Bring You Home by Sandra McCracken. So we've been singing it as our final song each Sunday in different formats because it's kind of a long song. And the chorus goes, you've come so far, how far you've come, oh, the distance, into the arms where you belong, Love will bring you home. Love will bring you home. Sandra McCracken is a writer and a musician from St. Louis, and she's in the Christian music scene, but she's not your average play on Christian radio. She's folksy and contemplative, and though her voice has an unassuming quality to it, her reach in Christian music is vast. She's the founder of Indelible Grace Music Collective, based in Nashville, And this collective reworks old hymns to new melodies, and they foster creativity in church music. And she's also one of the founders of Rain for Roots, another music collective that writes singable scripture songs for kids and grownups alike. And this is not cheesy kid music. I've listened to their albums a lot by myself. It's it's stuff I would sing in worship, which reminds me, Nicole, we should comb their catalog. So Sandra's mission in her work in the collectives, in her writing music for other musicians, and in her own music journey has been to write worship songs that have depth and that are singable. She's not trying to write the next praise and worship song that is the same three chords and a verse taken out of context or an awkward metaphor for God. She knows that music is a kind of prayer, and it's also a kind of theological education. Songs can speak to our heart in a way that other avenues of worship can't. And she doesn't want to take that opportunity for granted. So the song, Love Will Bring You Home, is from her 2016 album, God's Highway. 
It's an excellent album. I highly recommend it. And Sandra wrote this song one early morning on a farm in Vermont. She was on a songwriter's retreat and had taken that weekend to slow down. And she writes, this is a song about running. The embodied, gritty, meandering journey of our lives comes down to our two feet on the pavement. And somewhere in this adventure, we realize that in all this, we are being pulled toward God's affectionate and ultimate embrace. And when we've run the race, love will bring us home. And just like Psalm 84, this song is a pilgrimage song. It's an acknowledgement of the space that has been covered to this moment to arrive at this place before God. We have covered a lot of ground separately and as a church since we last worshiped together in the sanctuary. And here we are. We've come so far, how far we've come. Oh, the distance. But love has brought us home. Ashley, this has been another wonderful podcast recording experience with you. As with all of our Music Monday podcasts, will you close us out with a blessing? All right, I invite you to lay your hands on your legs, palms open to receive this benediction. May Christ's living spirit, whose light guides us and ignites our bones, whose great love brings us home, help us to remember that even when we're lost, we can still be found. For we are children of God, whose own heart is our home. Amen. Go in peace.